The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't build it, labor in vain, without your spirit, we stand with no strength. I know my time is passing away. But the works of your hands are what will remain. Let the favor of the Lord rest upon us. Oh Lord, establish the work of our hands. Just to number the length of our days Pour out your power, oh, pour out your praise Teach us to run, to finish the race Only what's done Love will remain Let the favor
Good morning, Ecclesia. I am so glad that you are here with us this morning for our virtual service. Please allow me to say a blessing over our time together today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every person who is watching this, God, whether they are watching from their home, from their car, from their vacation spot. God, we pray a special blessing over them, and we are so grateful that you are here with us no matter where we are, that you are always, always with us. We love you so much. Please open our eyes to see and our ears to hear your words today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.
every day We go to war again We assume we know so much more than them Before we hear what they have to say Headline breaks And we start to hate again We're calling them names again Give our peace away I hope they see it Cause I wanna see it I hope we believe it I wanna see, I wanna see the love It's all around you you 
Now comes the time in our service where we get to say a special blessing over all of the children in our lives. So if you have your children there with you, feel free to bring them close. You can lay your hands on them. Um, if your children are not with you or if you don't have children of your own, feel free to recall them in your mind, be it a niece, a nephew, a neighbor down the street, whatever children are special to you. And you can start off by saying their name. So I'll be thinking of my son, Micah, as I am doing this blessing today. Micah, may God be with you this week. May he show you his love, his peace, and his goodness. We love you so much, Ecclesia. Now please join us as we continue in worship through this offertory prayer. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, good to be with you here from wherever you are in the world. If we haven't met in person, my name's Wayne. I'm the campus pastor at Ecclesia on the West Side. Want to let you know about a few things that are happening coming up in the life of our community. First, we want to make sure, we've been saying it for a while, but we want you to know that we are gathering in person every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at both campuses at 1100 Elder Street as well as over at the West Side. We want you to know that we have stopped uh, doing registration, so you don't need to look to register before you come. There is space. We would absolutely welcome you to come. And masks are optional for our fully vaccinated staff and community members. Uh, it's good to actually see people's faces, to be able to smile, to connect. Uh, we would love to see you there. So 9-11, make it a part of your week. We can't to see, wait to see you. Next, Ecclesia, I want to give another thank you for your continued generosity as a community. And it's because of you and your generosity that we've done so much to care for so many people in Houston as well as beyond. And if you would like to continue to be a part of what of the work that God is doing through our community, you can do that by giving. You can go online to ecclesiahouston.org slash give. You can go to the Church Center app and give there, or you can text your donation amount to the number 84321. We are so blown away and humbled by your generosity. Thank you for that. And one of the ways that we've been connecting with people is we've been finding ways to care for our unhoused brothers and sisters throughout the entire pandemic. One of the ways that we've been doing that is to provide some meals. And what it's looked like because of COVID is we would often hand them a meal and then send them on their way because we didn't feel like it was safe for them to gather, they're a high risk community. And we are so excited that this past Sunday, July 4th, we were able to have what we call simple feast, where we not only get to have the meal, but we actually get to sit and eat it together as humans at the same table. And I wanna share with you what Manuel Sanchez, who heads up our outreach team said, 
And he told me it felt so good to be sitting and eating together, more than good actually. He said it was heart filling, grounding, and just another sign that getting vaccinated will help us get over this. But then he said, but community, sharing, loving, caring will actually get us through. Uh, so we were so grateful to get to do that. And we want you to know that if you'd like to be a part of what our outreach team is doing, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org outreach to find more. But I love that we just got to do Simple Feast because it's going to actually set us up for what we're uh, going to get to hear. We are thrilled that we've partnered with some of our friends at Good Shepherd Church in New York, and we've created a series where some of our pastors and some of their pastors are going to help us in the coming weeks reimagine life. COVID's created that that setting where we actually get to think about what does it look like to re-enter? What does it look like? And how can we actually not just go back to the way things were? How can we go in with more intentionality and more thought? What would it look like for us to reimagine what our life would look like? So today we are so grateful that our longtime friend, Shauna Nyquist, who's an author and a speaker, is gonna start this off and she's gonna talk about what it means to reimagine hospitality. And I think what Manuel shared with us is gonna absolutely set the table for her, that it's about how we care for each other. It's about connecting, we need each other. And so we're so grateful that you get to hear Shauna share from the scriptures and from her life about hospitality. My prayer for you is that God ministers and speaks to your soul and that God uses this as a chance for you to reconnect with Him as well as with others in the community and beyond. Ecclesia, we love you. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless. Good morning, my name is Shauna, and today we're gonna to talk about what it means to reimagine hospitality. So 10 years ago, I was on a work trip to Dallas, and on my last morning there, I asked my old friend if she was free for breakfast, and if after breakfast she could drop me off at the airport. She came to pick me up, and I wasn't really paying attention to where she was taking me. She has great taste, and she totally knows the city, so I was just happy to be in her hands, and I knew we'd have a great meal wherever she took me. I was staying at a hotel by the airport and so I assumed we'd head away from the airport, but instead we were heading right toward it. And at the last second before turning into the departures area, she pulled into the driveway of a small car wash. Okay, we're here, she said. And she got out of the car and walked on the grass around the side of this small brick building. I followed her and in this little grassy area behind a car wash about 500 yards from the runway at DFW, there was a dining table and two chairs and a tablecloth and a bouquet of flowers. There was fruit and croissants and eggs and I was just absolutely confused and delighted. I was like, Sarah, what is happening? She smiled and said, sit down. I know you've been busy. I wanted to give you a little space and beauty and time. I wanted us to have a chance to really connect before you leave. I looked for a place between your hotel and the airport and I stopped in earlier this week and I asked the car wash guy if we could use the lawn before they opened. I threw this stuff in the back of my car so that we could share this time together. I mean, you know, I just cried and cried. It was so moving to have someone say, I wanted to make something special for you. I wanted to create a space for us. Hospitality is powerful. It can move us. It can heal us. It can remind us that we're loved, that we matter, that someone cares that we're alive. 
all my life when I think about extraordinary hospitality moments and experiences, I don't think about fine dining or perfect meals or high-end artwork in fancy homes. I think about a card table outside a car wash and how my friend Sarah communicated love and care and thoughtfulness so powerfully to me in that moment. So today we're going to talk about reimagining hospitality. And I'm going to be honest with you, I could talk about hospitality all day long. This is literally the topic that is the closest to my heart, that moves me and delights me, and that I'm always thinking about and learning about. Hospitality is, for me, the center of the center in terms of calling or passion or vocation. So I want to start with three of my favorite definitions of hospitality. Hospitality is holding space for another person to be seen and loved. Hospitality is giving someone a place to be when they'd otherwise be alone. And hospitality is when someone leaves your home feeling better about themselves, not better about you. That last one is from my friend Sybil Towner, and I love it so much. So I've been thinking about hospitality, like how we did it in the before times, and how we had to shift because of the pandemic, and what it could look like moving forward. And very simply, I have two invitations for us. Keep gathering and keep it weird. I know everyone's experience of the pandemic was different depending on what part of the country you lived in and the restrictions of that area. Some people lived alone and some people lived very, very not alone. Some of us felt the isolation so acutely, some found themselves never alone at all. One commonality, though, is that almost almost everyone I know experienced a disruption of connection and gathering, at least the way it used to be. And almost everyone I know figured out a way to gather, even though it was weird. And it was weird. My high school friends, who I love, but I've never thought of Zooming with, started a Zoom happy hour tradition. An old friend and I set up a recurring date for a nightcap phone call. For our first guests in the spring of 2020, when there was still so much we didn't know and we were so committed to being extra cautious, it was really cold and we were in Michigan and we had friends driving across the country stopping to see us for lunch. We didn't know how to do it, so we set up two entirely separate tables outside, one for them and one for us, and it was so cold that I set the table with extra coats and extra blankets, and we were still so cold that we started a fire in the fire pit and made s'mores at about noon, bundled up and shivering under our blankets. For Thanksgiving, we gathered outside for dessert in New York in November in hats and jackets. This winter at a, at a French cafe in the West Village, they handed out mylar blankets like we'd all just run marathons, and the wind blew in sideways with icy snowflakes, and each table of guests screamed like we were doing the waves ah, 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 when the ice hit our faces. It was weird, and we still did it. I heard of friends meeting for takeout in parking lots with lawn chairs between their parked cars. My in-laws put a rug and lawn chairs in their garage so that with the door open, they could see family, even though it was winter in the Midwest. So for a person who loves gathering and feeding people and every part of hospitality, I was determined to figure out a way to keep connecting. And for us, that meant a picnic blanket and a sheet pan. In New York, we couldn't gather indoors, but we could gather outside. And so we did over and over and over with a picnic blanket and a sheet pan of snacks. I have all manner of fancy cheese boards, marble and slate and beautiful ceramic. But here's the thing. When you're carrying it down three flights of stairs and then setting it on the ground, a sheet pan works a lot better than fancy slate or marble. 
And sometimes those happy hour cheese boards were like a little fancy, brie and lavender honey and prosciutto and rosé. And sometimes it was like Jonathan had half a box of crackers and Kate had apples and popcorn and Kindy had a few cans of sparkling water. Sometimes we'd order in pizza and there was one night that we stayed out there so long, we finished all the snacks and all the pizza, but nobody wanted to leave. So I just kept like running up and down the stairs with weird handfuls of things. It was like somewhere between a buffet and a yard sale. I went through a very prolonged queso phase. Um, one day, Julia had leftover pizza dough, and she baked it into these delicious garlicky breadsticks. Looking back, we gathered out on that lawn because it was our only option. But also, it meant no one had to clean their apartment. No one had to figure out space for where to put the dozen kids between us. It wasn't my party or Kendi's party. No one person was responsible for every part of it. No one was performing or impressing or bearing the weight of all of it on their own. No one was stuck in the kitchen for hours or doing dishes the rest of the night. It was, to borrow Hemingway's lovely phrase, a movable feast, and it saved us. As restrictions relaxed and larger outdoor gatherings were permitted, friends invited friends and the circles got bigger and we joked about designing some sort of picnic blanket Lazy Susan so that you could sit around the edges and still have access to the various snacks without literally crawling across a blanket. We never did figure it out, but if you have an idea, please let me know. For Easter this year, because many of us weren't yet traveling, instead of gathering with our families, we gathered together an Easter picnic potluck and it was great. Don't go back to that old way where the house has to be perfect and the food has to be perfect and the dishes have to be perfect. Get a sheet pan and a picnic blanket and have everyone bring a handful of things from their own kitchens because it was never about the food. It was never about the dishes or the fancy kitchen tools or the complicated techniques. You could, as a hospitality-minded person, think, oh, this is so sad. No one's dining around the big dining table. We've got lawn chairs and sheet pans. As a person who has like a bazillion pretty platters, the only one I'm using is like a banged up metal pan. But I think there's another way to look at it. This is how badly we want to connect. This is how deeply the value of hospitality is planted inside of us. Look how creative we've gotten. Look at how inventive and flexible and weird. I love it. So here are four specific ideas. Let it be an act of care not a performance. Let it be about connection, not competition. Let it be shared, not all on one person's shoulders. And let it be simple, not complicated or expensive. And now I just want to press a little bit deeper because before we can reimagine a new future, we have to reckon honestly with our past. What happened to us? What on earth happened to the world as we knew it? There are layers and layers of losses wrought by the pandemic. First and foremost, loss of life, hundreds of thousands of lives, mothers and fathers, daughters and sons. The loss of human life is very nearly incomprehensible. And there are other losses, whole swaths of significant milestones that were never marked, weddings and graduations, the enormous toll that's been taken on healthcare workers and teachers. This season has left marks that will linger for decades. People are exhausted and disillusioned, nearly crushed by the weight of what they have had to carry. And what I want to focus on today is the prolonged isolation and the many consequences of that isolation. Our worlds used to be well-populated. Throughout the day, we'd see neighbors, friends, family members, strangers on the street. We'd sit shoulder to shoulder at our kids' games or exchange pleasantries waiting for a train. And then for months, for some of us more than a year, depending on where you lived and the restrictions of that area, 
our worlds became really small and really quiet and really scary. And that isolation has left it, its marks on our world. Things are opening up now and it's fun and it's exciting and there's a palpable relief and energy. What a gift to be able to see one another again, to hug, to not feel fear or measure distance or wonder what's okay or what's too close. It's so good. But also, I think we have some work to do, and I think that work is hospitality. I'm not talking about entertaining or parties or menus, although I love all of those things, and I could talk about them forever. I'm talking about brave, difficult, awkward hospitality because I believe it's the antidote to the crushing isolation and the resulting othering that we see all over in our culture right now. Isolation breeds suspicion and criticism, and over time, it highlights our differences. We've all experienced that phenomenon of getting used to people who are different than we are. At first, you see all the differences, and you sometimes trip over yourself trying to make sense of languages or accents or traditions that feel unfamiliar, but over time, what was once very foreign starts to feel very normal, just like another part of your world. But the opposite is also true. And a prolonged season of isolation has not brought out the best in our culture. The political and religious and cultural differences became louder and more divisive. And I believe the answer is hospitality. Hospitality requires bravery and intention and willingness to extend beyond yourself in the service of others. And all of those things are profoundly Christian attributes. Being a Christian means devoting ourselves increasingly to the purposes of God on earth, to bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth in big and small ways. And one of the clearest ways that we can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth is through hospitality, by inviting people who are different than we are out of isolation and into connection, by offering nourishment and nurturing to people who are starved for both, which is all of us. I want to read to you the, the story of the miracle of the loaves and fishes. It's the only one, the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels, which is very significant. So this is how it starts. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he, that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat up with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for dinner for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. 
I'm not saying that when we gather, it's the same miracle that Jesus performed. I cannot feed 5,000 from even my fanciest sheet pan happy hour setup, but something miraculous happens when we gather. There's a connection, a healing, a nourishing that goes beyond nutrients and calories and vitamins and minerals. There's a vital nourishing of the spirit. And if we've learned anything at all in the last year and a half, it's that we really need that connection, all of us. We need to see each other's faces and hear each other's voices. We need to laugh together and cry together and sit in silence together. We were made for connection, for sitting shoulder to shoulder, for carrying one another, for walking together. The isolation of pandemic life was truly corrosive for so many people. And I'm probably not the only one that's having a little bit of whiplash now that things are opening up and we're supposed to like go places every day. What? Even for an extrovert who loves going out, pandemic life definitely got me all like cozy. And now it's kind of hard to go places sometimes. I get really overwhelmed and I say super strange stuff and I can never figure out what to wear and I get really, really tired and also worth it, worth it, worth it. A few weeks ago, I was invited to a party. It was like a funny group, a gathering together of different worlds. And I knew I wouldn't know anyone but the host. And I was feeling that sort of cozy pandemic thing where just going anywhere feels hard. And I was going all the way to a neighborhood I've never been and an apartment I've never been to. And I absolutely walked in the wrong door and I couldn't figure out where I was. And I felt like frumpy. And even though I liked my dress at home, when I walked in, I just like immediately hated it with a passion. And then I had such interesting conversations with such fascinating and kind people who had lived very different lives than my own. I stayed about three hours later than I had planned to, listening and laughing and getting to know these friends of friends I'd been hearing about for ages, but never met. Because people are great and we need each other and we have so much to learn from one another. And I had sort of forgotten that because I hadn't been around people for so long. Hospitality is the antidote to isolation and we need it. I need it. Every neighborhood and every town and every city block needs it right now. And each one of us can be a part of it. Keep gathering, keep it weird. Embrace the movable feast and practice brave, awkward, difficult hospitality as a way of fighting against isolation and othering, as a way of healing what's been broken and loving our world back to life, one loaf and one fish at a time. Amen. So Ecclesia, as we've just been invited to consider and reimagine what it means to be hospitable in the season, to focus less on perfection and how we curate and present ourselves to others, but to be present with people in the moment, to be honest and real and transparent. I'm reminded that Jesus invited us to a table and shared hospitality with his closest followers and invites us to remember that meal. And so as we prepare to partake in that meal together today, will you also join me in this practice of being honest with ourselves, with God, being transparent and no longer trying to hide or project a false sense of who we are. Would you say this confession with me? I'll read as a celebrant. You can respond as a people. God, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. 
You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. And altogether, you are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. So in Ecclesia, we remember today that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he actually stopped and shared some hospitality, a meal with his closest friends and followers. And at one point in the meal, he took a piece of bread, he stood up, he gave thanks, he blessed God, and then he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, take this and eat, it's my body broken for you. And in the same way, after they had eaten, he took a cup, a cup of wine, and again he gave thanks and he blessed God. And then he said something new, he said, take this and drink, it's my blood poured out for you. And this establishes a new covenant in my blood, a new way of relating and connecting to God. And so Ecclesia, we remember and we proclaim today together Christ's death and his resurrection, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And may it be an invitation to connect and be with God and with others to share hospitality, to share this grace. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
So Ecclesia, as we depart to go our way to practice our rhythm of being hospitable, let me send you out with a benediction that comes from the mouth of Jesus in John 13. After washing the feet of his friends and giving us the feast, he says to these disciples, I give you a new command. Love each other deeply and fully. Remember the ways I have loved you and demonstrate your love for others in those same ways. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. Family, it is that simple and it is that difficult. So how will you demonstrate the love of God, creator, redeemer, sustainer today? We pray that upon the closing of this day, you will have found out. Go to serve and to love. Sisters, brothers, dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.